0: Section 13 of The King in Yellow by Robert W. Chambers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Emma Stays. The Street of Our Lady of the Fields. Et tous les jours passés dans le tissis nous sommes comptés comme des jours à 1. The street is not fashionable. Neither is it shabby. It is a praia among streets, a street without a quarter. It is generally understood to lie outside the pale of the aristocratic avenue the The students of the Montparnasse quarter consider it swell and will have none of it. The Latin Quarter from the Luxembourg, its northern frontier sneers at its respectability and regards with disfavor the correctly costumed students who haunt it. Few strangers go into it. At times, however, the Latin Quarter students use it as a thoroughfare between the Rue de Rennes and the Boulier. But except for that and the weekly afternoon visits of parents and guardians to the convent near the Rue Vavin. The street of Our Lady of the Fields is as quiet as a passy boulevard. Perhaps the most respectable portion lies between the Rue de Grand Chamier and the Rue Vavin. At least, this was the conclusion arrived at by the Reverend Joel Byram, as he rambled through it with Hastings in charge. To Hastings the street looked pleasant in the bright June weather, and he had begun to hope for its election when the Reverend Byram shied violently at the cross on the convent opposite. "'Jesuits,' he muttered. "'Well,' said Hastings warily, "'I imagine we won't find anything better. You say yourself that vice is triumphant in Paris, and it seems to me that in every street we find Jesuits or something worse.' After a moment, he repeated, or something worse, which, of course, I would not notice except for your kindness in warning me. Dr. Byram sucked in his lips and looked about him. He was impressed by the evident respectability of the surroundings. Then, frowning at the convent, he took Hastings' arm and shuffled across the street to an iron gateway, which bore the number 201 Viz, painted in white on a blue ground. Below this was a notice printed in English. One, for the porter please oppress once. Two, for the servant please oppress twice. Three, for the parlor please oppress thrice. Hastings touched the electric button three times and they were ushered through the garden and into the parlor by a trim maid. The dining room door just beyond was open and from the table, in plain view, a stout woman hastily arose and came toward them. Hastings caught a glimpse of a young man with a big head and several snuffy old gentlemen at breakfast. Before the door closed, and the stout woman waddled into the room, bringing with her an aroma of coffee and a black poodle. "'It is a pleasure to you receive,' she cried. "'Monsieur is English, no? American?' Of course, may pension, it is for Americans surtout. So Here I'll speak English. Says adere the personnel. The servants do speak plus ou moins a little. I am happy to have you come, Peneceres. Madame, began Dr. Byram, but was cut short again. Ah yes, I know, ah, mon Dieu, you do not speak French. But you have come to learn My husband does speak French with the Penessiers. We have at the moment a family American, who learn of my husband French. Here the poodle grovelled at Doctor Byram and was promptly coughed by his mistress. Vautou, she cried with a slap. Vutu ah le vilain oh le vilain Mes madame, said Hastings, smiling. Il n'est pas les tres The Pluto fled, and his mistress cried, Ah, the accent charming. He does speak already French like a Parisian young gentleman. Then Dr. Byron managed to get in a word or two and gathered more or less information with regards to prices. It is a pension sur vous. My clientele is of the best. Indeed, a pension de famille where one is at home. Then they went upstairs to examine Hastings' future quarters, test the bed springs, and arrange for the weekly towel allowance. Dr. Byram appeared satisfied. Madame Murat accompanied them to the door and rang for the maid, but as Hastings stepped out into the gravel walk, his guide and mentor paused for a moment and fixed Madame with his watery eyes. "'You understand,' he said. "'He is a youth of most careful upbringing.' and his character and morals are without a stain. He is young and has never been abroad, never seen a large city, and his parents have requested me, as an old family friend living in Paris, to see that he is placed under good influences. He is to study art, but on no account would his parents wish him to live in the Latin Quarter if they knew the immorality which is rife there." A sound like the click of a latch interrupted him and he raised his eyes but not in time to see the maid slap the big-headed young man behind the parlor door Madame coughed cast a deadly glance behind her and then beamed on dr byram it is well that he come here the pension more serious illness exists bad it is not any she announced with conviction so as there was nothing more to add dr byram joined hastings at the gate I trust, he said, eyeing the convent, that you'll make no acquaintance among Jesuits. Hastings looked at the convent until a pretty girl passed before the gray facade, and then he looked at her. A young fellow with a paint box and canvas came swinging along, stopped before the pretty girl, and said something during the brief but vigorous handshake at which they both laughed, and he went his way, calling back, Audemars, Valentine, in the same breath as she cried, Adomen. Valentine, thought Hastings, what a quaint name. And he started to follow the Reverend Joel Byram, who was shuffling towards the nearest tramway station. Two. And you are pleased with Paris, Monsieur Aston? demanded Madame Moret. The next morning, as Hastings came into the breakfast room of the pension, rosy from his plunge in the limited bath above. I am sure I shall like it, he replied, wondering at his own depression of spirits the maid brought him coffee and rolls he returned the vacant glance of the big-headed young man and acknowledged diffidently the salutes of the snuffy old gentleman he did not try to finish his coffee and sat crumbling a roll unconscious of the sympathetic glances of madame morat who had tact enough not to bother him presently a maid entered with a tray on which were balanced two bowls of chocolate and the snuffy old gentleman leered at her ankles The maid deposited the chocolate at a table near the window and smiled at Hastings. Then a thin young lady followed by her counterpart in all except years marched into the room and took the table near the window. They were evidently American, but Hastings, if he expected any sign of recognition, was disappointed. To be ignored by compatriots intensified his depression. He fumbled with his knife and looked at his plate. The thin young lady was talkative enough. She was quite aware of Hastings' presence, ready to be flattered if he looked at her, but on the other hand she felt her superiority, for she had been three weeks in Paris and he, it was easy to see, had not yet unpacked his steamer trunk. Her conversation was complacent. She argued with her mother upon the relative merits of the Louvre and the Bon Marche, but her mother's part of the discussion was mostly confined to the observation. Why, Susie! The snappy old gentleman had left the room in a body, outwardly polite and inwardly raging. They could not endure the Americans, who filled the room with their chatter. The big-headed young man looked after them with a knowing cough, murmuring gay old birds. They look like bad old men, Mr. Bladen, said the girl. To this, Mr. Bladen smiled and said, they've had their day. "'in a tone which implied that he was now having his. "'And that's why they all have baggy eyes,' cried the girl. "'I think it is a shame for young gentlemen.' "'Why Susie?' said the mother, and the conversation lagged. "'After a while, Mr. Bladen threw down the Petit Journal, "'which he daily studied at the expense of the house, "'and turning to Hastings, started to make himself agreeable. "'He began by saying, "'I see you are American.' To this brilliant and original opening, Hastings, deadly homesick, replied gratefully, and the conversation was judicially nourished by observations from Miss Susie Bing, distinctly addressed to Mr. Bladen. In the course of the events, Miss Susie, forgetting to address herself exclusively to Mr. Bladen, and Hastings replying to her general question, the Entente Cordiale was established and Susie and her mother extended a protectorate over what was clearly neutral territory. Mr. Hastings, you must not desert the penson every evening as Mr. Bladen does. Paris is an awful place for young gentlemen, and Mr. Bladen is a horrid cynic. Mr. Bladen looked gratified. Hastings answered, I shall be at the studio all day, and I imagine I shall be glad enough to come back at night. Mr. Bladen, who, at a salary of fifteen dollars a week, acted as agent for the pluley Manufacturing Company of Chor, New York, smiled a skeptical smile, and withdrew to keep an appointment with a customer on the Boulevard Magenta. Hastings walked into the garden with Mrs. Bing and Susie, and, at their invitation, sat down in the shade before the Iron Gate. The chestnut tree still bore the fragrant spikes of pink and white, and the bees hummed among the roses, trellised on the white-walled house. A faint freshness was in the air. The watering carts moved up and down the street, and a clear stream bubbled over the spotless gutters of the Rue de la Grande Chamire. The sparrows were merry along the curbstones, taking bath after bath in water and ruffling their feathers with delight. In a walled garden across the street, a pair of blackbirds whistled among the almond trees. Hastings swallowed the lump in his throat for the song of the birds and the ripple of water in a Paris gutter brought back to him the sunny meadows of Millbrook that's a blackbird observed miss bing see him there on the bush with the pink blossoms he's all black except his bill and that looks as if it had been dipped in an omelet as some frenchman says why susie said missus bing that garden belongs to a studio inhabited by two americans continued the girl serenely and I often see them pass. They seem to need a great many models, mostly young and feminine. Why Susie? Perhaps they prefer painting that kind, but I don't see why they should invite five, with three more young gentlemen, and all get into two cabs and drive away singing. This street, she continued, is dull. There is nothing to see except the garden and a glimpse of the boulevard Montparnasse through the Rue de la Grande Chamierre no one ever passes except a policeman there is a convent on the corner i thought it was a jesuit college began hastings but was at once overwhelmed with a Baydecker description of the place ending with on one side stands the palatial hotels of jean paul Lawrence and goulamine bonjour and an opposite in the little passage stanleyas carolus duran paints the masterpieces which charm the wild? the blackbird burst into a ripple of golden throaty notes and from some distant green spot in the city an unknown wild bird answered with a frenzy of liquid trills until the sparrows paused in their abulations to look up with restless chirps then a butterfly came and sat on a cluster heliotrope and waved his crimson banded wings in the hot sunshine Hastings knew him for a friend, and before his eyes there came a vision of tall mulins and scented milkweed alive with painted wings, a vision of a white house and woodbine-covered piazza, a glimpse of a man reading and a woman leaning over the pansy bed, and his heart was full. He was startled a moment later by Miss Bing. I believe you are homesick, Hastings blushed. "'Miss Bing looked at him with a sympathetic sigh and continued. "'Whenever I felt homesick at first, I used to go with Mamma and walk in the Luxembourg gardens. "'I don't know why it is, but those old-fashioned gardens seem to bring me nearer home than anything in this artificial city.' "'But they are full of marble statues,' said Mrs. Bing mildly. "'I don't see the resemblance myself.' "'Where is the Luxembourg?' inquired Hastings after a silence.' Come with me to the gate, said Miss Bing. He rose and followed her, and she pointed out to the Rue Vavin at the foot of the street. You pass by the convent to the right, she smiled, and Hastings went. End of section 13